This is food. This is beans. Go. Moon Knight. Simon Dennis Eady, the Moon Knight series that has aired for six weeks on Disney Plus, the streaming service. It is the uh, fifth live action um, MCU connected television series, and it is now over, Simon. It is indeed. Six episodes, uh, Adrian Pinter. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I quite liked it, I must say. I uh, I did indeed. And so this is a spoiler cast of our regular podcast, Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. So if you are listening to this and you think, oh, wait, I haven't watched the rest of Moon Knight, then you're in the wrong place. You must turn away, turn this off, maybe watch or listen to, I should say, episode 97 of our show, which recently aired. Uh, uh, so or, or maybe maybe you're listening to this out of order. I don't know. But go back to the regular podcast, the numbered episodes, if you don't want things spoiled, because we don't spoil things there, but we will spoil Moon Knight here. Mm-hmm. So just uh, make sure that's understood. Adrian, what did you think of this series? What did you think of the series overall? I know you didn't love it as we listened to it, as we listened to it. Now I'm saying the opposite. When you when we watched it mm-hmm. throughout the throughout the weeks, as we watched it week to week, you had issues with it potentially being a week to week show because of the, the degrees of mystery, I think. Um, but it's finally wrapped up. Finale is done. What do you think on a, like a final verdict? The Adrian Pinter final verdict for Moon Knight. The Adrian Pinter final verdict for Moon Knight is. Uh... It's all right. Like, I liked it enough. I, I, I'm i actually fairly lukewarm on this. But to be fair, I, I would say I'm lukewarm on pretty much every MCU, like, television series apart from Loki. And I think I think what the show does and, like, the performance from Oscar Isaac in particular um, really, you know, really made it an, an engaging and interesting watch. I think, again, his his performance in general is just phenomenal playing Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and then eventually Jake Lockley in that like one scene at the very end of the show. It's super cool. And he really carries the TV series. But I think this show kind of does suffer from some pacing issues and some shoddy writing at points, whether it's, um, you know, plot convenience sort of stuff or even just poor dialogue. Um, here and there and uh, it it kept me from really loving this show and i think the ending of this series in particular um like episode six uh it, it's it's pretty remarkable how they were able to f- wrap up so much stuff in that last 42 minutes but for me i think it's a great season finale but a bad series finale so if it ends up being that hey the show isn't coming back for a season two i'm going to be quite disappointed because i think there's still so much mystery there's still so much uh stuff to cover like we we literally got one scene with jake lockley i want to see more of this character and i want to see more of oscar isaac acting out these three characters and see where else this this series could go and i think because of that i i want to say it stuck the landing but i don't know because we we might have to wait a while to figure out if if this is going to get a season two i i think i mentioned it on uh episode 97 of the split focus of filming tv podcast that it took about a month for them to announce a season two of loki so hopefully that's similar case with this but yeah man that's uh that's kind of my thoughts um like broad strokes on that yeah i think the door is open just as much in loki after loki season one for a season two mm-hmm. as this show is open for a season two. The interesting thing is that Harrow is now dead. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. One of our first big spoilers of this podcast. Yeah, he gets shot in the face. 
yeah, Ethan Hawke's character is gone. And the fact that he's gone means that that thread, that plot line is wrapped up. That arc is done. Mm -hmm. And yes, Lockley was there the whole time. And that's kind of the twist, potentially, at the end of the whole thing. But doesn't that kind of wrap up that storyline? I mean, so to, I mean, if you look at Loki, let's say, take Loki as an example. Mm -hmm. If that was the end of Loki, if Loki only had season one and no other series, like no other future seasons, which obviously it's getting a season two. Yeah. But imagine it didn't uh, get announced for a season two. I would have still been happy with Loki. I feel like it was, still would have been good. The problem is, is they did open up another whole can of worms by the end credit scene and yeah. all that stuff that they showed for that show, just like they did in Moon Knight. So I don't know. What, what do you think in that perspective? I mean, it's kind of cool that there was a twist that Lockley was there, but we always knew there was someone else because it seemed like based on the, the mass murder that he was committing throughout the series, it seemed likely that there had to be something else we were missing, right? Yeah, definitely. So, like I think it, I think the show did a really good job teasing like that third personality of Jake Lockley in multiple episodes. You know, there's little almost like hints and nods to it in these, these periods where I think even in I think episode three where – I, I think that's the first time where both Mark and Steven black out and they don't know what happened. And they're like, oh, you know, Steven calls out Mark for killing uh, like a kid or whatever or killing some people. And Mark says that it wasn't him. And that's kind of the first like hint and nod that, oh, maybe there's another one. And then, you know, by I think the end of episode uh, four or uh, during episode five, we see a third coffin that's shaking when he's in his like kind of mind palace. And it's like, Oh, okay. So there's probably someone else. And then of course in the season finale where he blacks out during that big final fight scene and you're like, Oh, there must be another one there. And then of course the reveal at the, I, I can't remember if it's an after credit scene or not, or if it's just the last scene of the show, but it was, yeah. It was an after after credit scene, yeah, or mid credits, I suppose, because they always do that kind of mm -hmm. really great title sequence, and then the just the black scrolling scrolling credits, yeah, for each of these shows. By the way, the the credits were amazing, uh, as they have been. Like the production values on the the credits are always very good on these Disney Plus shows, and there's no, I mean, it's no exception here. And I think the music is also really good too. Personally, I, I loved it. I thought that the style of the music the way it's done and morphed into kind of a superhero-ish theme is awesome by composer Hasham Nazi. Mm -hmm. so I think he did a great job there too I agree um but yeah you didn't really answer my question oh to be clear um well yeah I guess um yeah like with the end of Loki like it left a lot of doors open and I feel like it, it was made fairly crystal clear that there would have probably been a season two and then let's let's assume at the time they were like no like they're not going to do a season two. I would have just assumed because of all the multiversal elements of Loki that he would just appear in Doctor Strange as an example, like the multiverse of madness. Whereas mm. I feel like with Moon Knight, I don't really know how this can connect to something else. The Really the only thing like we, we haven't seen Blade yet, nor have we, you know, um, seen what's going to go on with, you know, past Eternals. There's one character in, in Eternals where I feel like. Uh, is kind of might kind of be connected with Blade. That's really the only option that I could be like, oh, maybe he'll show up in that sort of thing. But well, even then, I don't know. I feel like the way they end this show, I want there to be more, and I don't feel like it's a satisfying conclusion if we don't get more. like. I just feel like it's not a satisfying conclusion personally. Yeah, that, that's fair. I can see what you're thinking because you you might think Loki could be in any other movie, especially because he's been connected previously to the other movies in the MCU, whereas yeah. this character is brand new. 
theoretically, for the MCU. So you haven't seen him in anything else, so why would he be in anything else? So then it would be disappointing, theoretically. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good reason. Well done. Well done. Uh, also, uh, Ken, our, the longtime writer-inner to our show, Kenneth mm-hmm. Saddlebauer, he would argue that if he wasn't getting a second season, that uh, Moon Knight might appear in the Halloween special. Oh, yeah. That's what he would say. So that's a is it as a show? I guess it's just a two-hour movie or something. I'm not sure. I think it's coming on. Yeah, it's like a special event. Yeah, it's coming to Disney Plus, and it's being directed by Michael Giacchino, who's a composer whom I'm a huge fan of as a composer, and he's mm-hmm. not really directed anything at this scale before. So it's, it's going to be cool. I'm I'm waiting for that uh, that eagerly because I'm curious to see what he can pull off there. I'm wondering if he's also composing his music for that, or if he's getting someone else to compose the music. But uh, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good reason, I guess. I just feel feel like this again. The plot was kind of wrapped up, and that's kind of the the great thing about it. Oscar Isaac's though performance, Ethan Hawke's performance, Oscar Isaac, especially in episode five, though Adrian, oh man, god, damn what it. a great performance! Is so good, and even just the way Stephen Grant and Mark Spector play off of each other. But there's that one moment in the street which I have to just call out because it's just such a such a heart wrenching scene where he just like drops to his knees, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, man. The you know cue the waterworks on my end, but um, yeah, he he's just so good in this whole thing, and the way that Stephen Grant plays off of Mark Spector, as you mm-hmm. kind of alluded to, is is so good. It's just it's the highlight of the series. I like the disjointed nature of it. I know you didn't love episodes one and two initially mm-hmm. um, because you felt like it, the pacing was weird, but I honestly think that the pacing was kind of perfect based on the disjointed nature of his condition, of the dissociative identity disorder. I thought mm. that that was the beauty of it. And I really liked those two first episodes because of this. The third episode, I have some issues with, but that's like a, it's kind of a, it's kind of where I feel like there might've been, there could be sloppy writing and I can't prove it. And that's the weirdest thing about this show for me. There's one inkling of it not being the greatest and it's that the writing could be seen to be sloppy theoretically, mm-hmm. but it's just that I don't completely understand the rules. And I specifically question whether writer Jeremy Slater knows his own rules as to how the gods work with the avatars and the way in which Mark's mind is fractured. And I don't completely understand the concept of who's really narrating this story and is Mark and is Mark and uh, Stephen, are they technically in an asylum the whole time adrian am i reading into this too much is there a possibility that that's a thing that's my question that i got came away with and the reason why i thought about this is because of the last one of the last scenes of this show in episode six he's in an asylum again and it doesn't make any sense because isn't that kind of his afterlife so why is he now going back to that place once more it's very unusual yeah i uh, yeah, like I, I don't think they they were in an asylum the entire like at all. Honestly, I, I like I took away from that that he was just kind of in his like own mind palace. Like he was like dying, and then he was trying to rationalize what he was actually going through. But I don't. Th- I think everything that happened did happen, as far as I understand. Yeah, like that's the weirdest thing. So when I watched episode four and five, the reason I thought that retroactively, and I kind of mentioned this on our regular podcast. That see episode three kind of makes more sense and it kind of was better is because it's episode three breaks rules. Some it's there's some mm-hmm. wacky concepts and the, the wackiest thing that happened in that episode was when Mark Spector gets possessed by Conchu mm-hmm. in that meeting in the in that temple in the in the pyramid. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. All of the other avatars are possessed and they're having this meeting, but then for some reason 
Oscar Isaac is screaming on the top of his lungs and then going back into his into the shoes of Mark. Like it's like conchu to Mark, conchu to Mark. Mm-hmm. He drops to his knees in exhaustion, but all of the other avatars have been doing this and they're just in fine shape and they don't have any problem becoming only the exact replica of the, the god kind of speaking through the avatar. Yeah. And I always thought that was very weird. And then you can might say to me, well, Simon, well, maybe this is because he's got a fractured mind. So that's why he does it differently. But even one of the characters, one of the avatars there that was about to go into this meeting said, you'll get used to this. And he's like, will you ever get used to that? Because that was a little bit wacky. Mm-hmm. And then you might think again, maybe it's because he's got a fractured mind, but fine. But then why did Layla, played by May uh, Kalamaui, why did she do the same thing oh, in episode six? Yeah, when the hippo uh, god goes yeah. inside of her. That's a good point. Yes. Why are only the main characters who are really mm. the only consequential avatars doing this? And I think that it's potentially sloppy writing. It's plot convenience. It's 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 maybe an, an issue. This isn't an issue that I think that the show is bad for. Like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't overall become bad, but it, it it's a greater problem that I feel like could become worse in season two if they don't look after these smaller details. Yeah, it's the small details that I feel like they fail in, mm-hmm. and I don't know. There's just yeah, I don't know. I could look past episode three. There's the other things that really bothered me with episode three, and it really came to the fore. The concept of Ethan Hawke's uh, hero character seemed to be everywhere. He seemed to be everywhere. He seemed to appear everywhere. And it was very strange to me. It was like Wiley Coyote versus the Roadrunner. I found that odd. But then you look at him in the asylum, and he's now in the asylum too. So he is appearing everywhere. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just all in Mark's head. This yeah. is all in Mark's head. And then you think about the, I, the – I'm sorry. I'm going on a little too long. Hopefully you can grasp what I'm saying to, to respond. But there's also the idea that the show starts with, a, with, with Hero putting mm. glass into his shoes, right? And that's strange. Usually when you're following a specific character like Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and you're following their perspectives, especially as closely as they are in this type of show, there's this concept of the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. You look at things like um, – uh, you can look at Fight Club as an example where Edward Norton is – narrating the whole time. You can look at Mr. Robot where Rami Malek's narrating the whole time. I'll point out Mr. Robot, especially just because of Evil Corp. Evil Corp is not the name of that corporation. And you can get that idea right away. And that's introduced right in the beginning of that show. But because he's narrating it, you realize that it's from his perspective. And that's what's so interesting. There is no narration here. Mark and Steven, they're not narrating this, this show. But you have to wonder about who whose perspective is it? And then the show starts with Harrow putting glass in his shoes. So you're kind of unclear. And then there's this idea that in the in the last asylum scene, Harrow's feet are bleeding. Is it because of the glass in his shoes? So why wasn't his feet bleeding the whole time? It, it's just like the scene where he gets shot in the head, like like leading up to him getting killed, or or the one when Mark realizes that he's in his head. In the asylum, he starts walking and his feet are bleeding. Oh, like when he's walking behind the desk. Like jur- Yes. Okay, I remember. But yeah, is yeah. that because he was defeated and that's supposed to represent his defeat? Or is it because he, cause he had, did have glass in his shoes? I mean, that's very specific. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the idea that he was such a zealot and he was rewarded by Amit for being a zealot and he didn't have to worry about the glass in his shoes until he's finally defeated, which is fine. But the symbolism is cool. But there's also this – it's a muddling of the themes. I feel like that that's my biggest issue with the show is that it's almost a muddling of where – why do all these things not really quite add up? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. 
Is it because – again, you don't think he's in the asylum the whole time, obviously. I don't really think it either, but I just wish that it was cleaner is what I would say because a show like Mr. Robot is incredibly clean mm-hmm. as an example. Like Sam Esmail, the creator of that show, whoa. He did an incredible job. But yeah. anyways, I said a lot there, so there's a lot to unpack. What do you, what's your response? Um, well, I'm going to go back to the whole um, – like dur- during episode three and then I guess episode six with um, Layla. Yeah. How like when the gods are taking over their body, I think – the the only explanation I can kind of come up with is that, hey, maybe this is the first time that they're being like fully taken over um, or um, they're both reluctant to have these gods in their body. So like both Mark and Steven don't want Conchu um, and they're reluctantly letting Conchu, you know, take over his body. So that's really the only thing, whereas maybe the other the other, um, you know, people in that like courtroom or whatever the fuck it is inside the pyramid. Uh, they're all okay with these gods taking over their body. And then even with Layla, you can make that same argument because you really, she only let the, uh, hippo God, I forget, uh, the hippo God's name take over her body specifically. So she wouldn't like, she could save people and like get out of that situation. Fine. You know what I mean? So I think maybe there's just a level of them being reluctant. So it's not like a full sort of, uh, taking possession. over yeah possession but at the same time sure. maybe i'm just trying to give reason to an otherwise poorly written segment of the show um, you could be right though that's a really good explanation and i appreciate you saying that because i just didn't think of it somehow but that's a good point yeah i just thought it was it just felt like it was just a reason to make them not overact but they i don't know they were, mm-hmm. they had to show either side of these characters but it's just it's just strange it felt strange to me that mark was this this shaken i mean why would the avatars trust him he was literally screaming on the top of his lungs while they were all speaking normally so it's like you you should probably practice in front of a mirror a little bit like it, it's it's yeah. a little weird like you're trying to convince them to go after harrow but you're you're barely even trying and so i found that I found that was really again i don't that was the most jarring moment in the entire series to me yeah i, I on, just thought that that was very strange on but. top of that he just did a bad job explaining the situation again i think that's kind of what goes with like the the poor writing aspect it's he's not telling them anything he's literally just like you have to believe me oh, hair yeah. is trying to take over and it's like explain give examples like why are you not yeah just like explaining properly i was sitting there being like dude you're a fucking idiot just like tell them hey he's trying to take over this god like just look why don't you guys just check it out you know just believe me a bit like you don't have to believe me just look you know what i mean and it would have taken two seconds for them to be like oh yeah he's right but instead harrow shows up or maybe maybe they don't trust Konshu, and then they don't trust him but the fact that he would have explained it properly would have made it more impactful when they got yeah. killed at the end right they got killed in episode six so, but they didn't they never couldn't respond to anything it wasn't even their fault it was really mark and conchu's fault because they didn't explain shit yeah and i agree with you that was like what is this kind of weird plot convenience we don't need mm. that you can literally just explain yourself and then whatever the outcome is later we can find it out that would have been more interesting yeah but yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's a little bit frustrating. And again, like these characters just, or sorry, Ethan Hawke's character just shows up like in so many different. I think episode three is the worst for him because he just walks onto every single scene, just walks on. I'm like, this guy is moving like half, you know, half a kilometer an hour, if that. Yeah. You know, he's moving fucking slow, dude. But somehow he's everywhere and like all at once. Like at the same, like he just, he just shows up and it's like, Man, how the fuck is this guy getting around? And like you said, they all like 
in by the end of episode four, you're like, oh, maybe it's you know the perspective of Mark, but. I feel like it's revealed to not be the case. So he just keeps on showing up places, which it is still the perspective of Mark and Steven. That's the weird thing. Like episode one and two are that way. And even then when Jake Lockley takes over, they black out and and we black out too as the audience. Yeah. So we are following him pretty distinctly, but even like May Calamari is in episode three and he just appears there when they're going to look for the map Yeah. or whatever, when she's getting a favor from her friend Mm -hmm. and it just, that was the most jarring moment. I was so confused. Like, why don't you just send your goons? Like, I love Ethan Hawke. Like, like the guy's an amazing actor. He's so fun to watch mm-hmm. on screen. And the relationship between him and Oscar Isaac's character is so fun to see. That's such a great dynamic. But mm-hmm. they, they keep meeting each other, and it's just not realistic. And I, I really did think, as you just alluded to, that when episode four is revealed that he's, like, in this weird asylum, I was like, oh, wait, that makes sense. That's why he's seeing him everywhere, because this isn't real. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing... It's not a real thing. And I thought it might end in the asylum in episode six. I thought that that's the way that the show ends. I thought it wouldn't end flashy, flashy, bang, bang as it did, where there was literally kaiju fighting in oh, the middle fuck. of Egypt. I, I will I will be honest. Just just really quick. That was awesome, and I really liked that. And it's very clear where they put all of their money for the CGI, because I think the CGI in this series is pretty god-awful, except for, again, the creatures, the hippo, the big alligator conchu and then the moon knight costume which i think is cg but everything else the cg ain't good sorry to interrupt i, just I don't know to- man there's apparently like 800 and 800 plus pieces to the to the moon knight costume i read that like briefly oh, in a headline so i'm not sure how much is cg i'm sure there's something that's cg definitely the glowing eyes but um yeah, yeah i don't know it's interesting that suit looks awesome to me it's fucking badass as shit both that and and the Mr. Knight suit. I think both look cool. And again, in that last scene where it's like swapping back and forth, I was like, I love this. Oh, I love that. And that the freaking jump over the car where he throws the two moon rings oh. uh, from both hands, it, like symmetrically. I thought that was like absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And even like the way that Mr. His name is it's Mr. Knight, I guess. I, I don't know the, the lingo as well as you do, I guess. But Mr. Knight with his baton, batons, it's very like Daredevil-esque in his fighting style. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that as well. I don't know. There's something about the way that the action choreography was done that was quite competent, especially in the last episode. I agree. I did uh, I did call out episode three as well for the, the, the use of knives in a fight, but then they didn't show blood. So again, episode three has almost all my issues. Honestly, I like the series throughout. It's just episode three, just like it felt like they had jumped the shark a little bit, especially with the the thing where Harrow is just everywhere. I just I, I couldn't understand it. It's ridiculous because it's just like kill the fucking guy, man. Just kill right. Him. He's walking right. slowly yeah. everywhere. Just fucking kill him. It takes two seconds. You just killed like eight other people. Like, why are you? Yeah. Why are you not killing this yeah. dude? It's stupid. Why isn't Jake Lockley just taking over, or at least just throw Moonerang at him so you, you you maim him or something? You don't. You just let him get away with it on multiple multiple occasions. I just. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Yeah, that's that. You pointed that out uh, at one point on the our podcast. I had to cut that out because we wouldn't spoil it on the regular episodes of our podcast. But you did say that. Just kill the guy. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And that's the that was the again the, the moment. And that's why it's so crazy too. Like. Think about it. We watched episode three and I was like, oh, maybe I don't like this show. I loved the first two episodes, but the third episode was like, what is going on here? And you were like, I don't like this show Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty much after episode three. And then episode four was just unbelievably like a mind 
melting situation. It was like, what? He's in an asylum now? What's going on? And then episode four was just like an emotional roller coaster. Episode five, yeah. The family trauma, his ab- the abuse at the hands of his mother mm-hmm. was just like, yikes. Yeah, yeah. Episode four and then leading it to five. Just so good. And like the idea of him being in like this afterlife type purgatory situation mm-hmm. was neat as well. And But the idea that it's, that's what's so confusing too. So he's in an asylum that's the idea of his purgatory that he created with his own mind. Mm-hmm. But then he goes back to that exact place later. That's why I don't understand. Isn't that like a weird, like, why would you do it this way? Isn't that confusing for no reason? Yeah, I, I guess so. Like, I can't really give you like a fair reason as to why he went back there randomly maybe just because he was losing like in that fight maybe that's like really the explanation so it's like his way of coping i don't know though losing no is it the end he took him down oh. and he's like watching him walk around the desk and he's got glass in his shoes yeah you're that right. was the last scene mm. it was after it was like way after he's not in purgatory anymore so he might be coping but why is it the same kind of place it's just like I don't know. It's confu- It's just confusing. And I get it. His mind is like, his mind is transferred to another realm, theoretically, mm-hmm. but another plane. But I just, I don't know. I feel like it could have been better. And this is the, this is the root of my criticism is that the, the concept of the unreliable narrator and how they actually handle it. I, I question it. I don't necessarily think it's bad. I just don't know that it's good. And I'm, that's what I'm most worried about for season two. Otherwise, having Oscar Isaac again and seeing Jake Lockley, who seems like a freaking serial killer. And I just want to say, this guy is not a good character. He's not a good guy. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you want to, Sony wants to show us all these damn anti-heroes, Venom and Morbius and all this bullshit and show us why they're not culpable for their crimes, especially like in Morbius as an example, mm-hmm. or Venom, they're showing us this guy who's a hero who they're claiming is an anti-hero as a bad guy, but he never really does anything bad really. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Is Desi, you, you can question that yourself when you watch Venom, but I just think that this guy is literally a bad guy. Yeah. Like he's a villain. It's cool, man. Like. It's not just Jake Lockley. Like this guy, he's a man. He's a man. His mind is fractured. It doesn't matter. He's murdered people. He murdered nurses. He he murdered security people mm-hmm. in this asylum. It's wild. Yeah, it is kind of wild. He's a psycho killer. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, uh, yeah, like it's it's a cool reveal at the end where it's like, oh yeah, this guy is a bad bloke and Jake Lockley's the third personality and now he's killing Arthur Harrow. But what was frustrating to me is... At the end, like, I feel like that reveal or I feel like they got to that point simply because Oscar or like Mark Spector and Stephen Grant refused to kill Arthur Harrow at the end where they're like, no, we're not doing your dirty work anymore. And it's like, why? Like, Mark did kill people and same with Stephen while they were in like their Moon Knight and Mr. Knight form. Like, they killed multiple people. Why aren't you killing the worst person around? It's... It's dumb. Yeah, that's a weird one. That's a weird, like, plot convenience situation. I don't know that you can say that he necessarily killed anybody, though. He didn't, like... No, in, in episode three, man, they literally throw, like... They, they kill all those dudes. Jake Lockley did that. Did he? Did they black out in episode three? I feel like I don't remember that. They black out in episode three. Oh, no, I'm, I'm talking about at the end of episode three, where they're, like, picking up the maps and shit. Yeah, they didn't kill them. They're not dead. Oh, they didn't? I feel like they stabbed the guy with a spear, didn't they? Maybe you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, no. There were lots of people stabbed with spears. I remember now. Sorry. I completely blanked on that. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, like they killed those dudes, man. And, and they're not like, they're not murdering arguably the worst dude, um, which is ridiculous. The one thing I do like about Arthur Harrow's character as well is that, you know, throughout the series, he's, he wants to bring um, Amit back to life. Right. And it's kind of like, Oh, does this guy actually believe in the cause or is he just fucking crazy? And at the end, when, you know, Amit comes up, he's literally just like, I'm willing to die for this cause. Like he is a little bit crazy, but he was, he believes in what he is committing, like the crimes that he is committing. And I kind of like that aspect. And again, I think Ethan Hawke's performance in that scene in particular, I was like, God damn, this is great. This is actually really great. Um, so I, it's I, really good. I yeah, will that, give that credit. That head to head was really cool. I really appreciated the dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you think definitely not in the asylum the whole time. I don't think it either. I just, mm-hmm. uh, I question it a little bit because there's, a, there's some fair, there's some weird Looney Tunes aspects of this show that, that I, I've been wondering. And I was like, I don't know if this is consistent with real life. Yeah. People get places very quickly. They, they, you know, he as in the Moon Knight like suit in when he's in the Moon Knight suit in episode three, he appears on top of a building. He, his powers are unclear mm-hmm. in a lot of spots. And I'm like, well, why do they have to be clear if he's telling the story in his mind? Because they presented it like that, that he was telling the story in his mind in a weird way. Yeah. And tries to make you confused that Stephen Grant is a fiction, you know, is a fiction that he created, which is actually true. That's also something to point out. Like, Stephen Grant's accent is based on a child's view of a British person speaking in a, in a movie, which is pretty awesome because people have that criticism of Oscar Isaac's performance with mm-hmm. the, the British accent, but his accent is based on a, a movie, which is quite cool. Yep. And it's, it's fiction from a created by a young, like a guy who's pretty young, like he's mm-hmm. what, 12, 10 when he, become Stephen Grant? Yeah, I don't remember the exact time, but that, that seems about right. But um, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. But I don't know. It's kind of that, – that actually kind of creates a little bit of a pro- plot hole because – so Mark uh, – so Stephen Grant, that version, doesn't remember his mom being an awful person, right? But Mark explains that he created he created Stephen to block out all the awful things that his mom was doing to him. So you're in episode five. It shows where the mom is like like busting down the door and is like about to like beat the shit out of him with the belt. And Mark switches over to Stephen at that point. But again, Stephen doesn't remember any of those situations. So that kind of explanation I feel like is a little bit confusing. And I I genuinely think it's a it's a weird plot hole because Steven remembers his mom as an amazing person, but he was made to cope for Mark when his mom was beating him and being awful to him. So I don't really understand how that works unless Steven then created Jake and then J- that's why Jake is all fucked up. So Steven, you know, Mark creates Steven and then Steven creates Jake who actually dealt with all the beating and stuff. But again, that's not really explained. That's really the only way. Maybe. I- yeah. Maybe Steven sees the the person he knows as his mom as somebody else. Maybe she looks different to him so that when whoever's beating him in that room is not his mom. Possible? In that case. Like he yeah. believes he's like on a safari adventure. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Well, I guess he doesn't think that, but I don't know. That is a good point to make. I don't know if that's a plot hole though. We don't see enough to, to know um, exactly mm-hmm. what's going on. But yeah, I, I can see that maybe. But um, 
I like this show, and I I, I definitely want to you know hang on the on the on the inconsistencies or what I think that could be inconsistencies, but I'm not sure because of the question of who's narrating and who's telling the story. But mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, I, I do question the idea of like you know block convenience and broken rules, but I, I got to give kudos where kudos due. I, I did uh, I did question a lot like whether Jeremy Slater would be the man for the task. He's the writer, the showrunner for this show, and I think he did a pretty good job. All things considered, I, I, I think. Like, I think that I, I said, you know, if you look at his Rotten Tomatoes history, it's not great for the things he's written. But uh, this is uh, pretty well rated on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that most people seem to like this show. The directors, I feel like, did a great job. Mohamed Diab, Aaron Moorhead, Justin Benson did a solid job too. So I don't know. I'm uh, on the fence as to whether a season two will be good. I think there will be a season two almost most like almost definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as Oscar Isaac is willing to sign on. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. There's like no MCU references in this entire series. Yeah, at all. Like there's just no, barely. They, they do mention the afterlife uh, from Black Panther at one point. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. That, that is a good call out. They definitely do. But that's kind of it. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there might be more stuff, but it's pretty subtle if it like that reference. Um, so it's it's kind of neat that way. So I'm, I'm curious how, how it goes. But yeah, I did... Um, I did really like it. And I think it's my second favorite show so far um, out of the Disney Plus MCU series that are live action. So Loki's my favorite still. I, th- I think that this one's uh, my second favorite. I just think that Loki had an overall it, – it kind of stayed steady in terms of its uh, its writing. I thought that Michael Waldron wrote a really good show. Kate Heron did a great job directing it. And the music in Loki is killer mm-hmm. as well. And the, like the style of it, like the yellow brick road type idea, is, is so cool. I just really love that show. I just think back of it, back on it fondly. And that finale was unexpected. I didn't know what was going to happen, honestly. Yeah, I wasn't sure, and I knew kind of what they had to do in this uh, season finale for Moon Knight, and the way that they did it with the with the with the final battle at the end is like it's a quick version. It's a very very fast paced version in all the best ways of how to do this very quickly and wrap up an action-heavy Moon Knight episode mm-hmm. based on where they were left off. Yeah. I kind of predicted the whole way through, this is what's going to happen if they're going to do this competently. Will they be able to do this and and do it in 40 minutes? And they did it. Yeah. Which is like, wow. I thought if they did it really good, if they were making this like a one series, that's it, limited series, what they would do is the guy's actually in the asylum the whole time and we fooled you. Oops. And that's how it ends. That's the way I would have ended it if they wanted to make this like an absolutely mind-blowing show. But they clearly want to continue it. I think that that's the mm-hmm. obvious thing, I feel like. And just saying, if he was in the asylum the whole time, that would explain why there's no Marvel Cinematic Universe references the entire show. Because these characters don't necessarily exist in his universe, because the universe is in his mind, Adrian. And characters like Doctor Strange or Spider-Man are really a baseline for our world, but not necessarily for his. But again, it seems like that's not the, not the storyline they're going for. And so... Again, good episode for episode six, but it's like we have to hit all of these beats and we have to have this action sequence and make Steven and Mark work together and get him out of this purgatory real quick. Have May Kalamaui kind of be like a... Yeah, with Layla. As Ken pointed out to me in a message, a text Please. message, yeah. be like almost like an Indiana Jones type character. I like her. Yeah, Layla. Yeah, like she's... Uh... She was one of those characters when she was originally introduced. I'm kind of like, oh, like, I don't know how I feel about her. Um, but as the story progressed, I was like, man, she's cool as shit. Like, she's badass. She's smart. She kind of grounds both Mark and Steven. She's like the the smart one that kind of like, hey, like, 
stop being weird. It is a little bit odd because now who's dating Layla? Because it's like Mark's wife, but then Steven also is with her. So is it like this weird um, polyamorous or love triangle? Like, you know, relationship? I don't really know. Does it can't? Yeah, it's it's an interesting. And one thing I do want to shout out as well is that I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Simon, but I'm I'm like 99% sure about this. The Scarlet Scarab, like the superhero she turns into at the end, is the first original superhero that was created for the MCU specifically. That is not in the comic books. Is that true? I'm like, I'm pretty certain about that. And if I'm wrong then uh i don't know can correct us i feel like this is not really a sp- i know it is a spoiler god damn it well if i'm wrong then i'm wrong google it yourselves but i'm like 99 percent sure that uh, i am correct about that i thought you were gonna say she's the first character in the mcu that's an egyptian superhero well that too which again i feel like uh yeah the kind of goes with the dialogue where i found like some of the dialogue was very just juvenile in a way um where literally like you know, she becomes that. She's cool as shit. She's like, you know, she's she saves this kid, and this kid literally goes like, "Are you an Egyptian superhero?" And she just says, "Yes, I am." And I'm like, "Okay, like, it's cool." Like again, it's cool that she is an Egyptian uh, superhero. I like diversity. I want there to be diverse, you know, characters and stuff like that. But um, it just seemed a little bit heavy handed. I don't think you have to be like this person is Egyptian. Like it's, I don't know. But that's that's a little bit more nitpicky on my part. I just find it a little bit more juvenile in, in terms of writing. Uh, but I, I loved her character. I thought she was awesome. I think she was a great addition to the series. And um, I, I hope the show continues because I want to see a season two with her. It, she's, you know, she's like a Laura Croft style character. She's badass. She's going through stuff. And then again, like her new suit as the Scarlet Scarab. It's kind of like Falcon-ish with like the wings. She just fucking wrecks shit, dude. And it's cool. I don't think it's completely original. I think Scarlet Scarab is a person in the in the comics, but it's just not I don't know, maybe it's just a different guy. Maybe they just use the name but it's not the same guy. I don't know. I feel like we're going to get gotcha on this and we won't be able to correct it on the podcast because it's a spoiler. Ah oh, well, whatever. I've been looking it up while you're talking, but I can't see the answer so immediately. So bear with us audience if we're wrong, we're wrong. Write into us and we can mm. we can say that that thing we talked about on uh on the A Closer Look episode about Moon Knight was wrong. And I guess anyone would know if they listened to the A Closer Look episode. And we'll just not elaborate. So yeah, just going, uh, according to Wikipedia, Mekala Maui appears as Layla El Fauli and portrays retooled version of the character Scarlet Scarab. Yeah. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So not completely original. So maybe Layla is uh, a completely original character. Maybe I'm like mixing it up. But Faul is the name of Scarlet uh, Scarlet Scarab, though I'm pretty sure. Isn't that the guy's name in in the Abdul Faul? Yeah. Maybe it was her father. Was her his father's name Abdul? I don't remember. I don't know if they said it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But her last name is not quite the same anyway. So I don't know. She's cool, and I like her addition to the story. Oh yeah, I, I like her too. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I, again, overall, great a great series. I really appreciated it. I appreciated the acting. I appreciated the the more uh, heavier topics. I don't think this is the br- most brutal show in the MCU by, I mean, well, I guess it's the most brutal show if you don't include Daredevil and Jessica Jones. But I, I, but other than that, I don't think it's the most brutal property in the MCU so far if you look at other movies. Yeah. I would just say that. I agree. Because like, I, don't, I don't know what Kevin Feige was quite talking about other than emotionally brutal, in which case I would agree with him and I feel like this was a very 
emotionally brutal affair when it came to episode five. Yeah, I would almost argue, though, like WandaVision is very emotionally brutal as well. Like that entire series, I think. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. But yeah, in terms of I don't know if it was as much as this one, but yeah, okay. Yeah, like in terms of just like like brutal in terms of like the action and stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it is, man. Um, There's no blood almost yeah. in the entire thing. It's strange. It's again, it's strange. It's a strange choice for Kevin Feige to market it like that when mm-hmm. the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist shows were just coming to Disney Plus at the same time as Moon Knight was just about to launch. And yeah. he says this thing about it being really brutal and the br- most brutal show we've made or whatever. And then it really wasn't like that. It's just strange. Like, was there stuff cut out? Did you plan for this to be TVMA and it ended up being TV14? Is that what happened? I don't know what happened. I, I don't have an explanation for that. It's just, it just seems a little strange because I would have preferred the brutality. Um, because now when we're getting into Jake Lockley as well, like they're kind of stuck in TV14. When literally this guy's a serial murderer and he could be going on a rampage and we can't even see any of that because it's mm. just not going to happen. There's no way they're going to do that because it's not marketed for for that audience. They'll right just now. keep on so, uh, blacking out. So any action scene, it'll just be like a black screen real quick. And they're just dead bodies on the floor without blood. And then you're just going to see it. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But yeah, Jake Lockley, interesting, interesting addition. Guy kicked a wheelchair. Guy kicked a wheelchair. He's a badass right, right there. It's cool as shit. I like that. Not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. Oh, also like uh, Conchu. I just like to say that. Uh, F. Murray Abraham. Gonna, gonna miss him in Method Quest, but he, he did a great job voicing this character. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I thought he was awesome in this show. I, th- I think Conchu's a cool character, I think, because he's, he's very obviously a a bad person. A bad god, I guess I should say. He's he's not virtuous. He's, he's kind of a shitty person, <laughs> like a god. And I don't know. It was cool to see him. It's nice. There's some, there's some good stuff in this show. And uh, on the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a closer look. I kind of gave a little bit of a tidbit of what they should have, how they should have begun that movie. Um, I'm going to give you a little tidbit here. I didn't write this down. But Adrian, this is how they should start season two of Moon Knight, which is, I think, inevitable to happen. You know how they should start it? No. They won't do this probably, but they should start it with all the scenes that in which Jake Lockley was in control in season one. And just show like scene after scene, not like just do a montage and just, you can do it over music or whatever, but just show like him just being completely an absolute asshole of just getting switched from Mark or Steven to Jake Lockley. And he just goes into this like rampage mode and just kills a bunch of people and like just showing him going into the, and then the last thing is him just going into the asylum and just like killing people with a silenced pistol and then taking freaking uh, guy out and uh, taking him to the car and then shooting him in the head and that's the, and then just go to title sequence from there. I would love that. That'd be actually a yeah. cool ass idea. Yeah. Not going to happen, but it would be kind of neat. I feel like they can't do that as we just said cuz it's going to be TV14. But anyway, yeah. Okay, Adrian, I think that's all I've got for this uh of that first season of Moon. Do you have anything else to add? Anything else you didn't get to perhaps? Um, I don't think so. I think we just about covered everything I wanted to talk about. Um So yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this was our closer look episode of the Moon Knight Disney Plus original MCU TV series. The 6 episode event that I thought was pretty okay and Simon thought was great. Indeed. Adrian one last question before we go. Will Moon Knight be in the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a movie in the future? Yes or no? Uh, I want it to. I want him to be. But yes or no? But no. But no. I think so too. I think that's my answer too. I kind of want him to to be as well at some point. 
but I also kind of think no. But anyway, thank you, Adrian, for joining me. Audience, thank you for joining us. And uh, have a good evening or morning or afternoon. Goodbye. Or night. Take care. Goodbye. Night. Knight. Have a good moon knight. Knigget. All right. That's, you're stretching it. Yeah. Goodbye.